Buckle up. You are about to enter the Draws Cast podcast. Your host, author, and motivational speaker, Jeff Drozowski, will transport you through the world of motivation and leadership, always keeping an eye on having some fun, too. Sometimes with a guest, other times just Jeff. Either way, you will leave better equipped to succeed than when you came in. Here he is, the Draws, Jeff Drozowski. Hello. Thank you, Kyla. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this great land of ours, or in the world for that matter. Jeff Drozdowski, the Drozcast Podcast, speaking of motivation and leadership. Today begins a little different journey as we have our first guest into the Drozcast Podcast. Uh, Before we do that, just uh, a couple of notes uh, to think about. One is, uh, as I mentioned on the previous Drozcast. Uh, if you go to the blog in particular uh, of each individual episode, and if you go there or when you go there, there will be a link. And if you shop on Amazon using that link uh, and any other item that you buy during that particular shop, you help support the Drozcast. So very exciting times happening here. My first guest, uh, I asked to be on the podcast because Uh, Several months ago, I had him on the video blog. Uh, Colonel Tom Doman is his name, and he by far had the most views of uh, any video blog that I've done so far. So uh, a lot of interest out there uh, in the Drozcast Nation to hear from Colonel Tom Doman, retired from the United States Marines. And before we bring him on, just a little bit of background about the colonel. Uh, Colonel Tom Doman attended both uh, Shrine Catholic Grade School and Shrine Catholic High School in Royal Oak, Michigan. He graduated in 1983 and was a three-year letter winner in football and two-year letter winner in basketball. Among other honors, Colonel Doman earned All-Catholic, All-American from the Chicago Tribune for football. Very impressive. And even more impressive is as soon as he got out of high school, he went into the United States Naval Academy, three-year letter winner in football, recipient of the Cook Memorial Football Award in his senior year. Uh, After he graduated, went on to serve in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and also an operation that doesn't get talked about too much, Operation Sea Breeze in Ukraine. Colonel Doman was the Marine Air Ground Task Force Commander for the 2012 Baltic operations that included 14 NATO countries. Uh, He led and was responsible for over 400 men and women in Estonia during that operation. And his bio could go on and on and on. Uh, And I say that with a lot of respect. So let's welcome into the Dross cast, Colonel Tom Doman. Hi, Tom. Jeff, how are you? Great to be here. And thank you so much for having me. It is uh, my pleasure. So uh, as those of you out there who listen know, we talk about motivation and leadership on the podcast, and we are going to be doing that as well here today, taking a bit of a break from the regular schedule of the uh, top 10 items when it comes to leadership, but we will touch on those for sure. So first, uh, just a a little bit of background about Tom. Uh, You went to high school in Michigan. Yep. And and then really where I want to pick up here is when you got to the Naval Academy. So if you could just briefly touch on how difficult it is to get into the Naval Academy just just to get in. Well, I tell you, first of all, you got to they have this uh, 
equation called the whole man multiple, Jeff. And the whole man multiple takes everything that you do into account. Your grades are you know, obvious, right? But also leadership in high school. Were you the class president, class treasurer? Did, did you get to go to uh, Washington to do that? Or did you just go to their local office to do those interviews? We, we did the local office. And, and uh, you know, you have to, uh, I got to tell this story real quick. <laughs> you know, here I am, uh, you, know, you know, senior in high school. And everybody that I was competing against all had, now, okay, for all those people, this is back in 1983, three-piece suits, okay? So my three-piece suits had three different colors, okay? Because I had to borrow them from all my different brothers. We didn't have suits back then uh, that, that matched, like, some of my uh, competition that was sitting next to me. And uh, so here I am, the biggest guy sitting in all the chairs. Everybody else is, is definitely, I'm sure, a salutatorian, valedictorian, and, and here I am. As Jeff mentioned, a uh, um, you know all Catholic, all American football player from Shrine. So when I got in there, Jeff, uh, I have all of the congressmen's uh, businessmen asking me questions, and um, some of the questions they asked me. Uh, one of the funniest ones they asked me was, um, "Do you know who the president is of the uh, U all?" And um, his name escapes me, unfortunately. Uh, but the point was, I said, to, I said, you know. He's the U-Haul president. And they said, the U-Haul president? And I said, uh, I said no, the U-A-W, U-Haul. And, and, so, and so they're looking at me, and we're going back and forth about, they think I'm, I'm talking about the trailer company, and, and I'm talking about the president uh, of the U-A-W. And, uh, you know, and they ask you what book you read, last book you read, have you ever been away from home? Because I would tell you, when you go there, uh, Jeff, they tell you to bring one bag. And that's for all the clothes you're wearing to put in there because they're going to issue you everything from toothbrushes to uniforms to shoes to your covers and things like that. And uh, you will uh, have to put that bag of clothes in the bag until Christmas. You don't touch your civilian clothes until Christmas. Uh, but to get into the Naval Academy, uh, I did not get a nomination from my state. Um, I did get a nomination from a congressman from the great state of New Mexico. And so he gave his nomination to the uh, Naval Academy Athletic Association, and, and they used it um, for my uh, nomination. So it, you don't have to be nominated, it sounds like, from your local state. Each congressman, uh, each senator gets one, uh, I guess, referral. Well, for a congressman, they get, uh, because they're in, they get one for each year, so they get two. Okay. And for a senator, he gets six or she gets six. Okay. Right? So yeah. Yeah. they can use them all year one or they can space them out and they can choose what academy they go to. So New Mexico became your favorite state <laughs> in the union. <laughs> you know, when I, when I go back and I tell the story, my dad, who's 92 years old and a World War II vet, he corrected me. He said, Tom, it, it didn't come from New Mexico. It came from, it was a presidential nomination. So I got to go back and I got to look and see if, if that is exactly what happened. Cause I, you know, again, somehow you, when you think about your, your history, it sticks in your brain and uh, maybe my dad's right. You know, I mean, he always was right before. So I don't want to go against Stephen G. Doma cause that's, <laughs> you're not going to win too many of those. Okay. <laughs> well, great. Okay. So, uh, so just to touch on it, you had a nice, successful football career at the Naval Academy before moving on to the Marines. And I know that you had an opportunity to play in the Rose Bowl right. uh, and kind of make your home state proud. That's right. Uh, now, 
is memory serving me correctly that you were MVP of the game? No, no, okay. I was not MVP of the game. However, uh, the next day on the LA Times, I was on the front cover above the fold and below the fold, blocking a pass in the first quarter, and we end up winning that game, 42 to 13. And so it was the day after Thanksgiving, and it was the first time the Army Navy game was played west of the Mississippi. And yeah. this, this, I'm sorry, Jeff, but the city of no. Pasadena flew all of the uh, uh, Corps of Cadets from West Point and the Brigade of Midshipmen to Pasadena, and they, they all of the residents took us in their homes. It was really a special, special event, and um, it was the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, it was a gorgeous day, and it was, it, what a game. Yeah, so uh, thanks for reiterating that. That was the Army-Navy game. Uh, that was the first one west of the Mississippi. Do you know if that tradition is still the same today that uh, during the Army-Navy game that uh, the, the players or the cadets actually get to stay in people's homes around where they're playing? Because it's in different venues oh, right. from it, year to year. Well, they, they go to Philly. It's It's been in uh, the D.C. area. Uh, Philly is normally it's its home, and and the reason is that when you look at the map, Philly is kind of really in between both. So you can we can take buses to Philly, and they can take buses from uh, West Point and get there. Uh, as far as staying in people's homes, I really believe that that was a unique uh, event in Southern California. And I tell you what, the people of Pasadena, just wonderful people. Everybody, everybody uh, uh, took in the midshipmen and the cadets. And it was just such a great, it was, it was a whole week. It was wonderful. That's a, a very unique experience, whether you're in the military or not, that doesn't, uh, doesn't happen very often. No. So, but from I, my perspective, I definitely would look at that as something very special in your life. And I'm sure you do. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you come on because, you know, we see those of us who haven't had family in the military or haven't been in the military ourselves. We don't know a lot of what goes on behind the scenes in those things. You just know from watching the Army-Navy game <laughs> or, you know, David Robinson back in the sure. day. Everybody, you know, knew about him, but you don't get to see or hear about those really neat traditions. So four years at the Naval Academy, and then was it your decision to go into the Marines or were you directed into the Marines? You know, Jeff, you impact people with this podcast, with all your blogging and you affect people's lives. Um, the same thing happens as you make decisions and, and pretty big decisions in your lives. The first person I met uh, at the Naval Academy who was my officer host, if you will, during my recruiting trip was uh, Captain Dave Paypack. And uh, he ended up being Brigadier General Dave Paypack when he retired, uh, just, just an outstanding officer. He was a, a defensive nose guard and his team in 1977 was the only team to hold Tony Dorsett to less than 100 yards during his Heisman Trophy uh, year, okay? But he was that, 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 that stereotypical Marine, the, 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 the tough jaw, big, big guy, big shoulders. And I said, you know what? I want to be him. And I want to, he wore his uniform, it was sharp. And every, every Marine uh, officer at the Naval Academy was impeccably dressed and shoes were always shined. You could bounce a, a quarter off their <laughs> off their uniform. It was it was that tight, and um, I just was impressed. And so when it came time to choose my service selection, they call your name down, Jeff, and everything's by linear number. So there's number one, who's the valedictorian. He gets to choose among everything, 
And um, when it came down to me, I knew I wanted to be a Marine. I, uh, my eyes went bad, so I couldn't be a Marine pilot. So I chose uh, uh, Marine ground. And then when I went to the basic school, I chose logistics. But it was his impression and the impression of the Marines in my four years that, uh, that, that guided me towards the, uh, uh, the Marines. But uh, again, n- another funny story. I, I'm going to tell my mom over the phone what I chose, right? And I say, uh, I said, Mom, Dad, hey, this is Tom. I said, service selection. I just picked my service. And they're like all excited, you know, oh, what'd you pick? And I said, I, I chose Marine Corps. Oh, my gosh. My mom started wailing, crying. Why? Why? You're going to die first. I don't understand. Why would you choose the Marines? And, uh, but you have to understand, they were back during World War II when they paid a nickel to go watch a movie, black and white movie. What they saw before the movie was the update of the war. And they saw nothing but the island hopping of the Marines going island hopping and, and, and Marines you know, perishing as they went from island to island as they they uh, were fighting the Japanese. So it was just <laughs> it was not the response I was looking for, Jeff. But uh, <laughs> but you know, as as uh, as as we uh, you know, I got through my career. Um, she always loved the the Marine Corps uniform and and uh, thought I looked sharp and and uh, but that that initial response was a little it took me back a little bit. <laughs> So absolutely had an opportunity to see Tom in full uniform here uh, over the last few months. So I concur with your mom. Those Marine uniforms are, uh, are, are something to behold. Marines first organized um, group in the military. Were they the first ones that got well, put together? Well, the, uh, the Army's the oldest. And then Army is. Okay. Army's the oldest, and then, uh, uh, and then the Marines, and then the Navy. Now, when you look at the, the history... The, uh, the Marines and the Navy, you can go back and forth. If you go on Wikipedia or the history books, there's, you know, sometimes they say the Navy was created before the Marines and, and, and sometimes the Marines. But the beauty of the Marines was is we were created in Tun Tavern in Philadelphia. Now, what better is to create a, a world-class fighting organization drinking a couple of beers, okay? <laughs> All right? And, and hey, traditions start in interesting ways, right? Uh, another, <laughs> another true story. For all the folks uh, that want to see an outstanding uh, memorial uh, museum, go down to the Marine Corps Museum just outside of Quantico. And uh, you can't miss it because it's got the replica of the Iwo Jima flag. That's what you'll see coming off an I-95. You'll see that slanting of the building, and that's to replicate the Iwo Jima flag uh, being put into the to the mountain there. But when the donors um, were, were giving money to the Marine Corps Museum, everybody was like, where's Tun Tavern? And it's not represented. I mean, we had all of the history, and they said, we're not going to give... We're not going to give any money until we... Rep- and so now that's why there's a ton tavern in the museum because they wanted to make sure that we represented or or we uh, accounted for that critical piece of our history. So just as a little inside information, uh, I've known Tom since our childhood, but every time we get together and he tells his stories of military, it's amazing how much information uh, that I learned. He's, he's a great resource for... Uh, not just modern day military, but uh, history as well. So that's something that I definitely appreciate. And another reason why I wanted him to come inside the Drawscast podcast. 
So as a good lead in, and, and you mentioned, uh, you know, you got through the, the academy, you went into the Marines and something in your bio, uh, actually many things in your bio about the different, the different efforts that you did uh, overseas, including Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Operation Sea Breeze, and then you oversaw some NATO troops in Estonia. Most, most dangerous out of those four? Uh, would would you say is what? Well, I, I would have to say it's um, when I was the executive officer of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I was in country for seven months, and uh, we were in the um, Al-Assad Air Base. It's the air base that we actually took over and, and, and bombed and, and took over from the Iraqis. And uh, then we rebuilt it, and the unit that I was with was a support unit for the aviation community fighter jets, helicopters. Uh, so we had to repair, the, um, repair the, the runways, we had to repair the communications, the towers, all that. So when I was over there for seven months, we got bombed 14 times. And so nothing is scarier, Jeff, than hearing the whistle of an incoming motor shell or, or round coming in, and you have no idea where it's going, okay? And um, Can you see it, Tom? No, or Okay. No, because, you, you know, it, it's... One of the, the um, uh, techniques that they used, Jeff, was is they would take a mortar tube and they would put the mortar in ice and they would jam it on the end of the tube and they would run away. They would do that at night. So as the sun melted the round, it would go in and, of course, when the mortar round goes down, the, the pin gets ignited and all of a sudden it gets sent over to the base. So I mean, you got to give it to them. It's pretty doggone creative because yeah, yeah. you know we had we had um, technology that says, listen, the trajectory came from let's just say if I'm looking at a clock from three o'clock, I go back to three o'clock. I'll find the tube, but I didn't find any people. And so they would set them up at night and they would bomb us uh, that way. And and of course we go out and we 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 patrol Jeff. But I would tell you, when you hear the the air raid uh, sound. I mean, you you're you're you got to make sure your your Kevlar helmet's on. You got to make sure your Kevlar vest is on, and and you're taking cover. And uh, you know, it's you could be in the shower, and all of a sudden you hear that. I mean, you're pretty vulnerable, okay, uh, yeah. at that point. So yeah. I, again, you know, when I was there, I had I lost two Marines, and and they were part of my unit. One of them was uh, Second Lieutenant Ryan LaDuke. And uh, the other one was uh, Staff Sergeant Jason Lido. Now, Second Lieutenant Ryan LaDuke just got to our unit. And, um, you know, Jeff, we have this process in the Marines. When we're taken over for another unit, we call it left seat, right seat, and left seat, uh, right seat. And so when you're sitting in the right seat, I'm looking at the, the person in the left seat and how to do their job. And uh, this so happened that this lieutenant was in the back right seat, okay, uh, of the Hummer. And over in Iraq, the, the roads, they're not like our roads that go right into ground. They, they, they fall off very quickly because of the monsoon rains and, and things like that it has to be for drainage. So his, on a turn at night, he, because it was hot in, in those uh, armored Humvees, he took off his helmet. And as that ha happened, the right rear tire blew. Hmm. And so they were on a turn, and it rolled over, and unfortunately... Um, Without his helmet, his head was unprotected, and, and uh, he died from his injuries. But the one that, and again, uh, 
that was very tragic because it just happened right after uh, as we were doing the turnover. Three days after Christmas, Jeff, we lost Staff Sergeant Jason Leto, and um, that one hit home even more because he was from Warren, Michigan, and he was from the unit that I was part of uh, in uh, Salford's Air National Guard Base. And um, so uh, Jason was a uh, EOD tech, um, explosive ordnance uh, okay. uh, <clears throat> demolition. For, yep, yes, clarifying that. Sure. And so, you know, he was creating a library for future EOD techs, and he would take inert, which means bombs that have already been blown up, and he'd put them out, and he would tell them how to defuse them. Because these EOD uh, Marines went out with the convoys, and if they found an IED, okay, um, improvised explosive device on the road, they would have to defuse it. And I got an awesome story. My two days left to go when the gunny came in. But on this situation, he took a pilot seat that had been ejected, and they had a master sergeant check it. They had a staff sergeant check it. You know, they had a sergeant check it. I'm talking about 30, 40 years of experience. Check the seat. It was inert. They put it back in the Humvee. They drive miles to get to his library by his unit as they're pulling the seat out, Jeff. One of the Marines hit the uh, button, and it wasn't inert. And then, mm-hmm. as you can, uh, for all those out there, ejection seats are incredible powerful because they're trying to send the pilot out of the plane as quickly as possible before the plane uh, crashes. Well, that hit Staff Sergeant Leto, and he had just taken off his helmet and his, his uh, Kevlar vest. And he hit the uh, brick wall right behind him, and he and he and he uh, succumbed to his injuries. And we had doctors on the scene right away. You served uh, in all of these uh, battles or these operations. Um, did serving in these battles or operations take up all of your career uh, in the Marines, or was there a step after that where you weren't in battle, uh, you know, as often as maybe you were earlier in your career? So one of the things we do in the Marines, uh, Jeff, is that we're always preparing to go to war. I mean, that, that is, we, we train like we fight, and, and we're constantly doing training exercises, training exercises. I've been to Mojave Desert. Um, um, I've been to Europe and, and, and uh, um, up in the northern uh, fjords uh, up there in Norway. Different climates to help you. Um, train. I've, I've been to the, the the cold weather, to to you know, if you've never fought in cold weather, uh, Jeff, and you've never, you know, sweat and 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 drank and, and water and, and kept yourself moving because you're constantly moving in the Marines. You're constantly, uh, you know, to to for a phrase so people can put it in there. You're constantly attacking a hill or doing some type of maneuver that either doing it on foot or you're doing it in in a vehicle and you have to just you know get out of the vehicle and 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 attack the hill if you will but you're constantly training the way you fight and so the the operations that you've mentioned one was seven months others were a couple months long when i was in estonia that was a couple weeks long but the the interesting one about the estonia was is i got the call when i was playing baseball with my son on a friday night from my commanding general and he says tom i i need a favor so i'm like uh you know it's just to be a little glib here i said uh, general you 
I'm sorry, you need five bucks? I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> what, what favor you need? I, you know, and uh, I didn't say that, of course. But the, the point is, is I go, what can I do for you, sir? I mean, he says, I need you to go to Estonia. And I had to rack my brain on where the heck Estonia was, Jeff. And uh, I said, when do you need me to go, sir? He goes, uh, Monday. And, I'm, and so, you know, here I am working at General Motors. I'm playing baseball with my son, helping him uh, hit a baseball. And I get this phone call on a Friday night, and, and I got to do a crash course because the colonel who was in charge of this Marine Ground uh, uh, Task Force to do the Baltic operation, it was the largest operation of the Marine Corps Reserves at that time, Jeff, that back in 2012. And here, you got to be prepared to take over the reins. And so... I, ha- I was a commanding officer at the time, and I had my own exercise in Quantico going at the same time. So I had to relinquish my duties to my executive officer, and you have to make sure you train your people, right? Something that you talk about in your podcast and, and on your social media is sending your people to, to training events to make sure that your people are, are the smartest they could possibly be to do their job. Because one day, Jeff's going to walk out the door, and they got... They got the lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so so anyway, so I'm, I'm flying off to Estonia, and I'm taking over a unit of 400 men and women, and I'm unloading a huge ship, the, the USNS John P. Bobo. Now, it's a Medal of Honor winner, John P. Bobo, okay? And I will tell you, when you walk on that ship, the pride of, of that ship was incredible because the story behind John P. Bobo was he was a second lieutenant in, in uh, Vietnam, and he was getting overrun by the enemy, and he got a mortar shell that blew off his leg below his knee. He jammed it into the ground, took over the 50 cal, and said to his men, I got your back. Go run for cover and, and get out of harm's way. And he took on the, the larger force that was uh, coming up the hill, and he fought until he, he perished. But, but his men uh, were saved because he knew that you know with his leg blown off, it was inevitable that that, that right. he was gonna he was gonna perish. But again, that's leadership. You want to talk about leadership? Taking care of your people. You say this all the time on your social media, whether it be your blogs or your podcasts, is that being a servant leader. I'm telling you what, you take care of your people, and your people will surprise you. Awesome. So that's a great segue. Uh, so, and that last operation was uh, 2012. And then uh, a few short years later is when you uh, retired, yes. July 1st, 2016. And we could probably do a full day in explaining all of the leadership items that you learned leading these people, especially in battle. But I know that, you know, you like to go out and speak to the community. You have uh, a lot of presentations and speaking engagements that you do. Uh, for various reasons, but most of the time it's about leadership of some sort or another. You have put together a couple of different programs, so to speak, uh, the Dominisms, uh, which is lead, leave your ego at the door, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but you also have the uh, 10 things that require zero talent. And really that comes to attitude. And you learn a lot of these things from the people who lead you. And, and as they, you know, take you down the road of whatever goal that you're trying to reach that, you know, they tell you, hey, you know what, there's just some things that you don't need a lot of talent to do. So could you share to begin with the 10 things that require zero talent? So what, what, I, like to, what I like to say, Jeff, is that whatever you do, number one, you got to have passion for what you do. 
okay? If you're just putting in time, everybody knows it. Everybody knows that you're just watching the clock. Number one is passion. And, and to couple that passion, you got to have effort and energy, okay? If you're going to do something, I like to say go all in. That's one of my final 10 words. You got to go all in with, with tremendous effort and energy. People want to be around people that, that have tremendous effort and energy. You want to be, what does that guy know? Because he is totally pumped every day. I want to be on that team. Just like you, Jeff, when you, you're so excited when, you, when you're talking about all your leadership and motivational principles, I want to be on Jeff's team. One of the reasons I came on this podcast is because I know what you represent, and that's a lot of what I represent, being passionate about what you do, the effort, the energy, and then your work ethic. You're constantly working. That's number number three is your work ethic, okay? You got to put in some great work ethic to get great work product. And then the fourth one is attitude, okay? We've all worked with folks that have poor attitudes. You stay away from those people. People that have positive attitudes, it's like a magnet. You can't not go and spend time with that person. They're energetic. They're, they're positive. You want to you wanna be around those people. It makes you feel that much better that you're doing great things with positive people. Another thing that, that people don't realize that they do, that but they do, is body language. How you sit, how you stand, how you shake a hand. My son went down to a, a camp just uh, last week, and uh, you know I shook this uh, uh, one of the director's hands. He was a communication director. He was talking about your brand, just like you, Jeff, talking about your brand, right? And, and I shook his hand. He goes, man, you came in strong. I said, hey, I'm always coming in strong on the, on, on the handshake because you know exactly where I stand. And uh, my, my son came right in, and, and I didn't say anything to my son. And my son came in, and he gave him the grip. And, uh, and he goes, man, those domains are strong. I go, that's right, we are strong. And, uh, and so, again, body language. Number, uh, number six is, is doing extra, right? If you're just going to do the minimum, guess what? You're going to get the minimum pay. You're going to get the minimum recognition, okay? Do extra. Be the person that takes on the extra effort because those are the people you want to you wanna lead. It's those people that are taking on more. And then I talk about the last four. I call them the beings, right? You got to be on time, Jeff. You got to be prepared, Jeff. You got to be coachable, guess what? I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I want to hear the ideas of people that work on my team. People don't work for me, Jeff. They work with me. That's a big deal. Think about that. If I work for someone or someone works for me, that I, no, no, you work with me. And, and when I served in the Marines, we worked together as a team. And that last being is being a team. You got to be coachable, but you got to be part of a team. All the time, Jeff, it's not on me. It's on us. It's on we. When you start using those words, people are attracted to those. It's not the I world, I, I, I. It's the, hey, we got to do better. We got to make this happen. And and let's, let's all come together. And I'm telling you, when that happens, and Jeff, you've been on teams. I've been on teams, athletic teams, your, 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 your work teams, me, the Marine Corps, and, and I also work for General Motors. When you're on a team and everyone's doing their job, I tell you what, great things happen. That's the 10 things that require zero talent. Yeah, and just to touch on that last one, uh, in my terms, and I just used it here recently, is uh, being a, a we leader uh, as opposed to being a me leader. And that's exactly uh, what I was saying uh, again in a previous uh, podcast. So Tom puts a lot of things in different words, but you see, especially if you – 
uh, if you listen to the the Drawscast quite often, you hear the same principles over and over again. Um, but it's being able to apply them that really is the most difficult part of it all, and that's why you continue to hear it. And and maybe by Tom coming on and and giving it to you in different terms uh, may help you out. That's that's one of the reasons why you have uh, different voices on podcasts as well. The Drawscast quote of the day. Okay, so as I have mentioned uh, in some previous podcasts, when I do have a guest on, we are going to allow the guest to choose their quote. And uh, from what I understand from talking to Tom pre-show, that uh, he has a quote here that we touched on a little bit earlier, but I'll let him elaborate on it as well. So Tom, uh, take this quote away. So my quote of the day for the Drawscast podcast is lead, L period, E period, A period, D exclamation point. And what that stands for is leave ego at your door. Leave ego at door. So what I mean by that, Jeff, is, is I had a, a, uh, uh, a program that I was putting together at uh, uh, General Motors plant. It was with dangerous goods, airbags, seatbelt potentiers, tons of government regulation. And I had to teach a, a workforce of contractors and seasoned UAW workers and my fellow um, management uh, uh, personnel. And I had to get them to buy into this, this program. And when you made an error, Jeff, minimum fine was 50 grand. Okay? Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So it is a big wow. So if, if you can imagine having you know, 10, 15 parts in a basket and they're all wrong, it adds up very quickly. So one of the things is, is we had a meeting twice a week and I told people, listen, leave your ego at the door because when you come in, this is a plant program. It doesn't matter if I made the mistake, you made the mistake. When it goes out the door, it's going to go to General Motors at the Pontiac Regional Distribution Center. It, 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 they're not going to put a name to it. They're going to put General Motors. So we have to leave our egos at the door to come in and speak freely. And you know what, Jeff? Here's the kooky thing. It worked. People came in and said, hey, I received a part that was this wrong or this, and I found this error. And I said, okay, let's five why it. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Let's get down to the root cause. And you know what? People came in, and the walls were down. People were saying, until we got over the, the hump, uh, per se, of, of when, when people got trained and people were starting to understand the program, then people came in and they came in with positive stories. So instead of saying negative, it turned to positive and it became, then people start bringing food in. So we had a, I mean, it was right just before lunchtime and, and you know what, it's amazing when you do stuff like that and it's not pointing fingers saying, Jeff, you did that, it's your, no, 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 no. Come on in and let's figure it out because this is our issue. And we need to fix it because when it goes out the door, it's our problem, not 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 the person that made it. And we, and you know what? We had checks and balances throughout the whole entire process, and people bought in to leave ego at the door. Uh, you know, it was a beautiful thing when we were humming, and uh, we, we process, I can't tell you how many thousands and thousands of dangerous goods every day. Uh, uh, and you know what? We got audited uh, by the same guy five years later, and he took us off probation, and it was it was a, it was a great day. So who's associated with that leave ego at the door? Well, it's, uh, you know, I was telling the story and uh, I was in a, uh, a conference, a General Motors conference, and uh, I, I, forgive me, 
this person uh, uh, that was listening to me sent me an email saying, you know, that's that's lead. Leave ego at the door. And so I responded back to him. And I think his name was Mark. And I said, Mark, I will give you credit anytime because you're the one that, that kind of honed it in for me. And, and I never want to take anybody's credit uh, for coming up with a great idea. But uh, he's the one that, that helped me coin that phrase, leave ego at the door. So all of you out there with the name of Mark, congratulations. <laughs> you have uh, been associated with one of uh, Colonel Doman's uh, main points when he goes out uh, to speak to groups and organizations all over the country. So uh, Colonel Doman comes from uh, quite a interesting family uh, because of the number of kids and um, and just kind of the background that they had. So Tom, uh, just to just to be clear, uh, and I always get confused on this: nine brothers and one sister. Is that correct? Well, nine boys and one girl. Okay. Okay. Eight brothers. Eight brothers right. and one sister. Okay. Right. Yeah, and then and then you. So right, right. Outside looking in, it would be nine and one. Okay. So did everybody now? Where did where did your sister fall into this? Okay. She was number seven. Okay. She was number seven. I was number nine. So if someone yells nine, I I come to attention. I turn around. And I say yes. Okay. And that's just it's it's ingrained in my head, Jeff, that I'm number nine. She probably would be uh, a great person to talk to to say, hey, what's it like growing up in a house full of, <laughs> of brothers, right? Well, Did she end up fighting with you and all that stuff, too? Well, here's the thing is that uh, what do you think her profession was or is? Uh, well, I know this answer, so okay. go ahead and tell her. Anyway, so, so she's a nurse, right? So, yeah. And she's been a nurse at, at Beaumont Hospital for 30-plus uh, years, and uh, now she's a head nurse. And I would, t- I would tell you, Jeff, that uh, when my mom was going through her – issues at, at Beaumont, everybody that, that uh, knew that that was Mrs. Doman, she goes, I, I can't screw this up because I will pay the wrath uh, <laughs> of, of your sister Mary, okay? She is just, I'm, you know, if I got to take your mom's blood, I'm taking her blood. If she take, and she was very, but she goes, I love your sister. And I, and I tell you what, that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh, the Doman family. And it's all because of my mom and dad and the way they raised us. And, and, you know, we raised uh, with, with 10 kids. So, you know, we didn't know what we didn't have, right? But what we did have was a lot of fun. And, yes, was there some rough housing? Did we break some beds along the way? Of course we did. And, uh, you know, my dad kept repairing them until he said, you know what, enough. The, the box spring and mattress are on the ground. And they're staying on the ground because I'm tired of replacing the slats underneath, okay? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so being second youngest, I had a lot of examples ahead of me of, you know, let's just be honest what to do. And let's just be honest. That's what not to do. Okay. And, uh, you know what? I didn't bring the car home late. I didn't bring it home without gas. And, uh, you know what? They love me for that. <laughs> so that's right. But, uh, you know, I, I have, I have so many examples, uh, uh, so many brothers and a, and, a, and a sister that I learned so much from, and I try to give them credit anytime I talked to anyone, uh, and my mom and dad, they were uh, unselfish uh, parents. Uh, to coin a friend, a friend of mine, we won the parent lottery because they were uh, devoted Catholics. They put us through Catholic grade school and high school, which wasn't cheap. Um, you know what? They, they actually had a term for it, Jeff. They called it the Doman discount. I mean, when you got a half a dozen kids in the school, you know what? We're going to cut cut you ten bucks. But well, anyway. yeah, that was uh, half the uh, uh, half the enrollment too, wasn't it? 
that's right. That's right. So, and great examples, and I'm sure because of lessons learned inside the uh, Doman household, you probably uh, you probably quite a parent yourself. Well, I tell you what, I married a great woman, uh, Jamie, and uh, we have two daughters, Taylor and Ashley, and then uh, our son uh, Tommy. And I tell you what, I, I am blessed to have a beautiful family, a wonderful family. So, uh, yeah, so your kids are uh, a little older. But I, the point that I wanted to make is it is true that uh, your family does keep the, uh, the, home, the home fires and the, home, and the family going uh, while you're away. Because while you have been retired since 2016, your kids are older. So there, were a lot of, there was a lot of time where you were off serving our country while your kids were growing up. Well, I, I, you know, when I was, uh, went to Desert Shield Storm, I was single. And so uh, my mom and dad saw me off when my ship, ship uh, USS Guadalcanal, pulled away and headed towards Iraq. Fast forward from 1991 to 2004, it was the um, uh, day after uh, January 2nd, day after uh, New Year's. And Tommy is a year and a half, Jeff. And, you know, you have a family, right? And um, I get a call. And uh, when the call starts off, Lieutenant Colonel Doman, is this Lieutenant Colonel Doman? you know it's serious and uh you know obviously you reply yes sir he goes you have to report you're being um mobilized you're being reported uh uh, have to report in 48 hours so you have very serious conversations in a very short time you talk about wills you talk about power of attorneys you talk about who's your support system and i would tell you that um you know jamie had three uh, uh young children and i was gone for a year and a half and um and she held down the fort and she's a super strong woman that uh, had a great support system and you know people were so generous jeff they would just come and leave food on the porch and she would open up the door and it was almost like a gift from heaven uh, she would open up she didn't have to go out dinner was there and and um uh, it was it was something special when when, when everybody we, we had a, uh, one of my sister-in-law Paula she says I'm coming over and I'm taking Tommy and I'm gonna take him for the rest of the day I'll bring him back tonight and, and Jamie's like thank you so much because it, it gave her some time to herself and 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 time to just kind of let her hair down um, but that was that was the norm with the Doman family and the friends uh, uh, that 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 are around us here in Rochester Hills everyone came and supported us and uh i I can't thank everyone enough uh for for helping out my family uh we've been at it now for quite a while we're gonna we're gonna call it a a day here uh, for the Drawscast podcast as always uh you can find the podcast on google play and itunes and stitcher thanks for listening and uh, take care And we'll see you next time. Kyla, bring us home, please. Thank you for being part of the Drawscast. Check out Jeff's website, DrawsTalks.com, to find out more about booking Jeff for your next event. Also at DrawsTalks.com, you can purchase Jeff's book, Inspired, How Our Differences Are Changing the Workplace. Or inquire about Jeff's training programs and personal or executive coaching. All of Jeff's video blogs can be seen on his YouTube channel, Jeff Drazowski. Thank you and bye for now.